0: Hey there, my name is Jonathan Galvan and I'm one of the pastors at Redeemer. Uh, We're so glad that you're tuning in to this sermon and we pray that this sermon would be an encouragement to you. So please enjoy. He is risen. I was gonna do it this morning. Jonathan beat me to it and then I thought, you know what, it's worth doing twice. Uh, Do you know how hard it is to change traditions with Christians? Difficult. Uh, If something has happened multiple times, two, three, four, five times in a row, and then we change something, uh, sometimes it's like a cow looking at a new gate, like not sure what to do with that. Uh, Did you know that for centuries, the weekly rhythm of God's people was to gather together and to worship and to go through the scriptures and to pray together on Saturdays. Uh, You talk about a really stout tradition. uh, That was a tradition that thousands and thousands of people had done for thousands of years until Jesus rose from the dead. And then they switched it to Sunday for a weekly celebration reminder that Jesus is risen that was just a little freebie for you. Welcome to Redeemer. So glad that you're here. If you're brand new with us, uh, we're so glad that you're here. If you're coming back, maybe you visited last week for the first time on Easter, uh, so honored to have you. And if you're a covenant partner or maybe you've been around since the very beginning, we love you as well. Glad that you're here. Uh, If you are brand new, I would love to uh, invite you to connect with us uh, so that we might get to know you a little bit, answer any questions that you may have. Uh, If you have been to Redeemer but have never filled out a connect card, this is my invitation for you. Uh, You can do that through two ways. One, text connect to the number uh, here on the screen, and we'll send you a digital connect card. And second, I want to invite you to go on your way out the door. Stop by the tent right outside the door, uh, and someone from the connections team can meet you there, answer any questions that you might have, and help you get connected. Uh, second big announcement. This has to do with tradition. Okay, so we're messing things up, and this was forced upon us. So this was not our choice. Uh, do not come to this room next Sunday morning. Okay, we've got some changes. Midland Christian will be surfacing some gym floors again. Uh, So this is our reminder that we are a people, right? The church is a people. It's not a building. Uh, We are a people and we can meet anywhere. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so next week, here's what's going to play out. We are going to be meeting in the SLC, which is on campus here. Uh, It's in, I believe that is blue. Could be purple. Could be gray. I'm not really sure. Um, The SLC, that's where this gathering will take place at the normal times, 9 o'clock and 1045. Uh, but if you'll notice, there's going to be a different check-in area for Redeemer Kids, which is down that breezeway, uh, kind of on the south end. It's the entrance to that uh, Thomas and Jim there. And you need to know this if you have kids. We only have the capacity um, because of this to do second grade and under for Redeemer Kids. And as always, kids of all ages are always welcome in this room, even if they cry, even if they scream. They're kids, and we expect them to act like kids, and we're always excited when they're here. Sound good? Okay, if you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn uh, to Matthew chapter 7, and I will get there in a moment. But we've got so many people uh, every week that are coming, that are visiting, maybe for the first time to Redeemer, uh, maybe for the first time in a long time to church. Uh, so constantly, I want to back up, I want to zoom out a little bit, uh, and just remind us why we are here before we zoom down and get into uh, the details of the text. Um, we are a gospel-centered missional family, I'm going to say that until I die. That's who we are, that's our identity. We are a gospel-centered people, which means our identity, uh, who we are, how we find our identity and our activity, what we do begins and ends with Jesus. Uh, we're Jesus people, he finished uh, something on the cross and has invited into us, and so what he has done defines who we are. We're not divine, defined by our success or by our failure or by our knowledge or lack thereof, uh, we're defined Christ, And our activity as Christians, individuals, as community groups, and as a church uh, is defined also by Jesus. We are trying to uh, be a gospel-centered people. Uh, We're gospel-centered, but we're also missional. You know this, that we're not just trying to pass the time until Jesus comes back. Uh, We have a mission that we have been given by him to accomplish. Uh, As individual Christians, you have a mission. Uh, As a church, we have a mission, and we are serious about that mission, Uh, seeing non-Christians hear the gospel become Christians, seeing Christians mature in their faith uh, as disciples, and then uh, really finding ways that we can serve needs in our city where Jesus has put us um, so that we might be a light in the darkness. We're a missional people. Uh, We're gospel sender, we're missional, and we're a family. Uh, Listen, if you've been around Redeemer for any portion of time but have not had a chance uh, to connect relationally with someone else, uh, I will just extend this invitation to you that you're missing out on a big part of what church is. Uh, Church is not just information. It's not just uh, listening to things and absorbing things, although that is good. Uh, It's really designed by God to be relationships where we uh, love and are loved, where we know and we are known, we encourage and we're encouraged. We truly become family because life is hard. Uh, Life is hard, and it's much harder um, when we're isolated and alone. So God's given us a family. So just as a reminder, we're a gospel-centered, missional family. And this is just normal normally how a a Sunday will go for us as a church. Uh, Two big categories of things we're trying to accomplish. This is probably not new to you, but maybe a good uh, refresher, a good reminder. There is a give and there's a take, okay? There's a portion of every single one of us when we show up to be part of the church on Sunday that we consume and we contribute, okay? Don't be one that just fits into only one category. Uh, Don't be one that just comes in and just like consumes take from this, I take from that, I take from this, I enjoy that, I'm so glad they served, and I just consume. But also, we have got a small group of people that maybe you just are the ones that contribute. Now you just show up and you give and you serve and you go and you pray and you need to at some point have some time where you get to consume. Both are good, both are healthy and this is kind of the normal rhythm for us. So uh, give, okay? Uh, When you show up to not just this church, any church, a big part of what should take place in your heart should be giving. I'm not talking financially, although that's a small portion of it. Primarily, you give worship to God, right? That's one of the reasons we are here, to sing, to pray, to give thanks that you have come to give something away so that God can receive your worship. Uh, we give encouragement to others. Uh, and the more that you connect with people in this church, uh, on a serving team, in your community group, you will then have some relationships where you show up and you're gonna give some encouragement to somebody that needs it. I guarantee you there's people in this church that need encouragement and they might need it from you. I read last week that and this statistically I have proven it myself. there is no one today suffering from over encouragement. You need to show up to give uh, worship to Jesus encouragement to others and then serve. Uh, you show up to give of your personal time, uh, your desires, your what makes you excited, what you are gifted towards. We have people that give uh, towards teaching in uh, the Redeemer kids. We have people that give of their time to lead worship, give of their time to set up chairs and to make sure uh, coffee is here. And there's always someone behind the scenes giving of their service so that you might enjoy. There's a big portion of our life on Sundays together that is geared towards giving. Okay. Now, you flip all those on the other side, and there's a portion of us that needs to show up to receive, okay? We need to show up to receive sometimes encouragement from someone else. Maybe that's you. You've walked in. Life has beat you up and beat you down, and kids are difficult, and marriage is tough, singleness is tough, and you need a family, not just an event, where you can receive encouragement, uh, where you can receive the service of others. Uh, If your kids are Redeemer kids, they are being blessed and receiving the gift gifts and the service of someone else, uh, and ultimately receiving Bible teaching that when we present and open up the Word of God for you, you get to consume that as the bread of life, to be encouraged by it, uh, to be instructed by it, uh, oftentimes to be corrected by it. And so normally, as a church, both of these things need to happen. If you want to be healthy, you need to show up with a give and a take mentality. Everybody's giving, everybody's taking. That's how a good family works. And so as a church, uh, we work through normally big chunks or books of the Bible um, because we believe that the Bible is God's word. And if he wrote it, we want to hear it. We need to hear it. And so all that's like, uh, that shouldn't count towards my time because that was introduction. Um, but that kind of gets us to where we are right now. If, again, if you're brand new, maybe you showed up at Easter and you got to come back. Um, we are right in the middle of working through what we call the sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's sermon that is recorded in Matthew chapter. 5, 6, and 7, and before that, before Matthew 5, chronologically, uh, Jesus was just preaching to the masses, and he was preaching the gospel, saying, this is, this is the kingdom of heaven, uh, you've been invited in, repent and believe. And then a lot of people were hearing the message of Jesus and the gospel, and they were responding or they were becoming Christians. And now Jesus turns his attention in the Sermon on the Mount towards Christians. So if you're new, you found yourself in the middle of a sermon where Jesus is teaching us and instructing us as believers and as disciples how to live our lives. And we are going to be today in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And if you're there, give me a hearty, ready? All right, this is what the Lord Jesus says. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, he says. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. I would um, propose that this verse is maybe the most popular verse in the 21st century. And I would also propose there's a really high likelihood uh, that it's taken out of context often or at least not looked at. So there's two ways uh, we can deal with this text. Uh, I want to show you two visuals on the screen. uh, And the first one is is how we are going to tackle uh, looking at what Jesus said. Here it is. Uh, This is how we are going to look at it, okay? That won't make sense until I show you the second one because the second one is how a lot of people will deal with this text and maybe hope that it works out. So here's the other option. I did this myself, okay? So... Like, some people like, this is my favorite verse, judge not, and they've never read anything else that it says, and just like, I just, I don't want to be judged, so that's my life first. I got a tattoo, I got a mug, I got a t-shirt and a hat. Uh, I love it. Matthew 7-1. That's, we're going to look at everything Jesus said, and that is a healthy way to approach the Bible. Anyway, Context matters. And so uh, we're going to piece this apart and just look at it to see what Jesus has to say for us. Um, and before we, like, just with kind of those things in your mind, uh, before we start working through what Jesus says, I, I really think, It's important that we talk about what Jesus did not say, okay? He didn't just say, judge not, period, moving on. So a few things that this does not mean um, before we look and see what Jesus actually means. Uh, And this is why I want to start with what it does not mean. Uh, Because typically people will kind of latch on to this verse and use this to basically say, listen, Jesus said it. No one has any right to judge my actions or to say what I am doing is right or wrong. And I have no place to try to uh, help Someone else see what might be right or wrong, and God forbid, God can't judge me uh, for being right or wrong. Uh, that's just not what Jesus says. So, what does he say? What, what Jesus says through what we just read, it's like if you put this in the context of the entire sermon, what Jesus is frustrated about and trying to correct uh, is not just kind of the attitude of judging. And, and if I can define judging in this context as just saying this is right, this is wrong. Okay? He's not condemning judgment. He's, cont- he's condemning hypocrisy, hypocritical judgment judgment, and they are different, okay? Uh, He's condemning, which, again, if you look at it in the whole context of his sermon, most of his sermon has been warning Christians, his followers, about being hypocrites. He said, don't be hypocritical in your giving. That was in the sermon already. He says, don't be hypocritical in your fasting. Don't be hypocritical in your praying. And now he is saying, don't be hypocritical in your judging. Um, You know this, most of the time, uh, someone that is not a Christian, if they have a beef for a frustration with Christians, a lot of times it's this, isn't it, that they feel like, and and many times rightly so, that Christians are hypocrites, that they will say one thing and they will do another. Sometimes that is true, right, and j- that's what Jesus is talking about. But sometimes uh, they they misunderstand what it means to be a Christian. They say, well, they're, they're they're hypocrites because they say that they're perfect and they screw up. It's like, no, we never said that we're perfect. Our whole world view is based on the reality that we believe we're sinful and broken and we have brought nothing to the table. So sometimes that, that, that's a legitimate claim and sometimes it's a misunderstanding of what we believe of as grace. But what Jesus is talking about is how detrimental it is to, to, to your soul and probably to, to, to onlookers who might be curious about Jesus and Christianity and the church uh, to be very hypocritical and very judgmental. And so here's the illustration that he uses. And you've you've got to love Jesus um, because sometimes he has a little bit of a sarcastic bent or maybe a witty bent, or he seems to say some things that if you were there, I bet some people chuckled or laughed a little bit. Uh, The the Pharisees were a little more uptight, it seems like, than Jesus was. So he uses this analogy uh, to prove his point about two men. And the first one he says, imagine this guy has a log in his eye, okay? That's a little extravagant. Jesus is trying to prove a point. And the word log that Jesus uses means a large, roughly hewn, uncut timber. Like a big cedar log, you know, let's say, six inches in diameter, four feet long, and there's this guy. He's just got it stuck in his eye, and he's wandering around. He sees his buddy. He's like, oh, my gosh, my buddy has a speck in his eye, and the word speck means dust, okay? Now, nobody should be able to understand that more than West Texans. Amen? (laughs) You ever had dust in your eyes? No, you're like, no, I actually got a plank in my eye through one of the haboobs the other day. No, it's like, okay, this is the picture and there's kind of like a a chuckle in the room or or they weren't in a room, a chuckle on the mount uh, when Jesus says this, because it's ridiculous that this guy with a large log in his eye comes up and he has limited time, limited energy, but he uses that time and energy to say, oh my goodness, you have an eye problem, sir. Lucky that I'm here as the hero of the day because I can help you deal with your problem, right? It just, it, it's such a funny story because he really clearly gets his point across where it, it seems kind of hypocritical for you to deal with someone else's little speck when you're not dealing with your log, Okay. Now, you translate that, what is Jesus talking about? He's, he's talking about sin, and he's saying that it is hypocritical if you have a giant sin in your life with limited time, limited energy, and you use that time or energy to help point out and be judgmental towards someone else who has a small speck, a small sin in their life. So like that reveals what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the hypocritical nature uh, of someone who has something giant, but they're not willing to deal with it or maybe don't have the humility to even accept it. But good night, they're gonna pour it on heavy with someone else that has a smaller issue. Uh, I don't know if you... Have seen this in your own life or in people around you, but oftentimes that that can be us, right? That seems to be like there was a challenge in the first century uh, with Christians, or else Jesus would not have preached this. Uh, Jesus would not have taught this if they weren't prone to underestimating their sin and overestimating someone else's sin, and so. You, like you just you know when you come in here you're gonna get the truth right we're just truth people uh, and and this is the truth when you hear a sermon on hypocritical judgment it it would be very ironic if you're sitting in the chair thinking I'm so glad my friend is here to hear this are y'all with me. That's where hypocrisy begins. And so I just think generically, and I've said this often over the years, it is just a very healthy habit to assume that the Bible is talking about you. For me to assume the Bible is talking about me first and foremost, otherwise we're just like, well, goodness, there's some hypocritical people out there and I know all of them and I are not one, right? Just to take the posture of you know what there 's a really decent chance um, that, that that Jesus is talking to me, the Bible is talking uh, to me, and, and so what Jesus is doing is he's not he 's not harping on making a judgment call. He is condemning being hypocritical and judgmental and not being able to deal with our own sins. So uh, how does, if that's, if the table is set, now that's what Jesus is talking about. How does he teach us to not then be hypocritical and judgmental? Anybody want to know for your friend? Okay. Uh, number one, and, and look, so let's just pretend, they're, they're, okay, there's two people in the story. One has a log, one has a speck. The rest of Jesus's teaching has to do with the person with the log. Let's just for a moment pretend that's us. Um, so he's going to give us some things to think about. Number one, this is the first thing that he says, take the log out of your own eye, to which we say, der, right? Of course, that should be step one. But what does that actually mean? If you're a Christian and you think, you know, maybe Jesus is talking about me, um, how should I believe and internalize what he is saying to first, Jesus says this, first, take the log out of your own eye. What does that mean? Okay. That means to number one, consider that you might have some sin in your life. Okay. Consider that you might have sin in your life, sin that you either know about and are unrepentant of, or... Maybe a blind spot that you're really not aware of it, just consider. Um, And I just want to go through a few things that if you want to take the log out of your eye, consider these things. Um, Consider, number one, that God's word is the standard of what sin is and what sin is not. Okay? So if the Bible says something is sin, it doesn't matter what your friend on Facebook says. It doesn't matter what your heart says. It doesn't matter what anything else says. God's word gets to define what is right and what is wrong. And so the more that you read the Bible, you're going to be able to see if you agree with this, the, the, the log's in your eye, right? To, to, to yield to the Bible when God speaks about something. Second thing is to listen to people who love you because there might come a time when somebody who actually loves you enough to say something that's uncomfortable, um, that you will need to listen to what they have to say and to believe maybe they see a log in my eye and they're saying something about it. Uh, Number three, I would say it's important to remember that, and this is true, just as true for me as it is for you, um, that we're not different, okay? A lot of times we'll say, well, the Bible says that it's a sin and my friend says that, you know, I've got this issue, I've got this problem, I should probably deal with it, but I'm different. You just don't understand. Everybody else is in one category, but I've got extenuating circumstances, and it just doesn't apply to me. And let me just say this very kindly, very nicely. I know your mother told you you were special. You're not different, okay? We're not different, we're just we're just not. If the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. It's damaging. It's harmful. It kills things. Uh, we need to make sure that we see ourselves in that category. And then, as you're made aware of those, simply repent. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, "Take first, take take the log first. Deal with your sin. Acknowledge it. Own it. Repent." Now, repentance. It probably is a word that is used every Sunday um, because it is such a central part to understanding the gospel. And uh, many of y'all know some Reformation history, but uh, a few hundred years ago when the Reformation was really getting uh, some steam where they just uh, basically Martin Luther uh, began reading through Romans and realized that what he had been taught uh, in the Catholic church at that time was very, very different than what the Bible was teaching. And so he was being, taught when you're made aware of sin that you needed to pay penance. Have y'all heard that? Basically give money to the church, pay something to the priest, because if you have sin, you need to pay penance. And the spark that lit the, the biggest revival that planet earth has ever seen, the Protestant Reformation, the spark that lit it was when Martin Luther read the Bible and realized, oh, this doesn't say if you have sin, pay penance. It says, if you have sin, repent. Don't pay for it, turn from it. And those are very different, okay? Don't pay for your sin. Jesus already did turn from it. That's how you deal with the log in your own eyes. So let's say that we do, okay? Let's say that we try to take a humble posture. We look at God's word. We listen to people that that, that love us and and we're made aware of some sin. We believe and we repent. We turn from it. Then what would Jesus say is step two? Uh, Step two is kind of a byproduct of step one. He says, then you can see more clearly, it says, if you remove first the, the, the log from your eye, then you can see more clearly. And this is important to know. If there's sin in our heart, in our life, that distorts the way we view things. That distorts the way that we view things. Uh, and, and that's what produces the hypocrisy. Like you think, well, how can this guy be so dumb where he, he, he can't even... Realize there's a log in his eye, and he's trying to help this guy with a little piece of sawdust. Well, his his vision is distorted. That's what sin does. Uh, most of y'all remember the story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, David was uh, the king uh, of Israel, and he was known as the, a, a man after God's own heart, right? He was a godly man. Uh, he, he, he he loved the Lord, um, but he had, just like you and I, some moments of weakness and sin and failure. And there was a particular day uh, when his soldiers were off fighting battles for him. You know the story. He was up on a roof, and he looks across, and he sees Bathsheba bathing, and he. He deci- desires her, so sends out a servant, brings her in, uh, commits sexual sin with her, conceives a child, and then just the dominoes begin to fall where he tries to hide it. Eventually, he has to have um, the, uh, her husband, Uriah, murdered and all to cover up this sin. Okay, that, so like, like we would say, wow, that's a log. Like David had a log in his eye. That's not a small sin, that's a lot of real big sins. But then God decides he's gonna confront David and so he sends um, the prophet uh, Nathan uh, to go talk with him. And I could only imagine the anxiety of Nathan as he's going to try to confront this king with this log in his eye. And so he comes up with a story with an analogy and he says, say there was a man, and again, some of y'all know this, so I'll go through quickly. There, there was a man with all this livestock uh, and then the king comes in and just basically takes it all. And he, he concocts this whole story and, and no lie, this was David's response. He's like, what a wicked guy. I don't like that guy. Let's, let's judge him and, 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 and exact some punishment. And then in this like mic drop of a moment, Nathan's like, y'all know the phrase. What is it? Thou art the man. It's like, how in the world... Could David have been so blind to what he hated in someone else he was actually guilty of? Because sin distorts our vision. I know this about my, myself, and maybe this is true of you, um, that sometimes when I get really frustrated with other people uh, and other people's sins, and I get really kind of judgy, uh, normally that means there's something going on in my heart. Because it's so much easier if there's something going on to deflect. And so that that should be somewhat of a red flag that when we get really, really fired up and frustrated at someone else's sins, that should be a little bit of an alarm for us to think about what's going on in our hearts. Because when we sin, when, when, when we're engaged in sin for a long time, it distorts our vision. Okay? It causes us to raise the bar for others and to lower the bar for ourselves. To raise the bar, well, I'm frustrated with them because they're not doing this, this, and this, um, but you know, I, I'm okay with me doing this, this, and this because sin distorts our vision. And so Jesus says, if you first deal with the log, then you will be able to see clearly. I just f- caught this this morning. So a- after... David is confronted by Nathan. He's like, thou art the man, you're the one. You're being hypocritical, King David. King, he, he, he took it. And he repented and he responded and then I I just, it's so unbelievable what happened when in Psalm chapter 51, um, this is King David's response um, to his sin. He's basically asking and begging God to clean him, to uh, forgive him, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins. Cast me not from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then, like, David provides the pivot that you see in Matthew 7 that I've never made this connection. He said, like, I've got a log in my eye. Jesus, deal with it. Forgive me. Create me a clean heart. Cleanse me. And then he says in Psalm 51, 13, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Okay. What is he saying? He's saying if he dealt with the log, then he will be able to see more clearly and that might help someone else who has also a sin problem. What does Jesus say? Go back to Matthew chapter seven, because if Jesus was just condemning forever, the idea of judging, of us being able to say something is right or wrong. He, Jesus would have stopped right there, but he kept going. And he said, if you first remove the log from your eye, then you will see more clearly to what? To help remove the speck from your brothers. Okay, what does that mean? Number three, that if if you deal with your sin and then you get clearer vision, then you can actually help someone else too who might be caught up in sin. Now. If you get really excited about number three, don't do it, okay? I'm serious. Uh, this, is, uh, this isn't this is like a text, a verse that says this. This is just experience. If you get really excited about being the one to call out sin in others, probably not a good idea. There's probably a level of hypocrisy involved. Now, if you do it out of, out of love and you think, man, this person, I love them. They have sin in their life. It is damaging and destroying their soul, their marriage, their kids, and I love them too much to stay silent. That's very different than just wanting to be the person that gets to, correct, but, but it's there. Nonetheless, Jesus says it. He says, then you can help someone else. And again, all this is taking place in the family. So I want to tease this one out just for a few moments, because if Jesus, he's, he's just not condemning judgment. And that's a, you can't really say that in our culture, right? And yet it's a, 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 a biblical thing. He's condemning hypocritical judgment. But there is a place inside of the family for Christians um, to call each other out in a loving and a humble way if sin is actually hurting. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Then you will be able to help. False love which our society is riddled with, uh, is this idea that, no, if you truly love someone, you will not judge them. You will not, and you cannot say that what you're doing is right or wrong. Okay, that, that's, the, that's just not true. That's like saying, uh, this person, I've been down to the end of the road, the bridge is out, and this person is going 100 miles towards it, and I just can't say anything because I love them so much. <laughs> We would all look at that like, that's, that's just, that doesn't make any sense. If you love them, you actually will tell the truth. So false judgment, which our culture is riddled with, or a false love, is like you just, nobody has the right to judge anyone. God can't judge me. You can't judge me. Uh, and, and Jesus teaches very differently that true love is actually willing um, to help someone see if they have a speck in their eye. When I was turning 30, this was quite a few years ago, um, I remember because um, I, I, was, I was in ministry and I was thinking through like, it just seemed like a pivotal time uh, in life where I was beginning this new season uh, and I had about eight different friends and men in my life that were very influential. And I remember, like Jesus was 30 when he began ministry and a pivotal moment for him. So I sent out an email. I said, uh, I I wanna invite all of you eight men um, to speak very clearly into my life. Uh, And if there's anything that I'm just have a blind spot or something that I am not aware of or not dealing with, uh, would you please let me know? And then slowly and surely, I had a a coffee or lunch with each one of those. And seven of them said something to this effect. Ah, you're great. (laughs) You know, just like we're very encouraging. And they love me enough to be encouraging, but maybe not enough to say some uncomfortable things. Uh, And one of those people, John Durham, uh, who preached a couple years ago when I was out uh, he, he, he actually loved me enough to be really clear with me uh, and to say some things that were attitude sins that I had um, that made me aware of that. And to this day, you know, to almost 12 years later, to this day, that has been one of the most shaping and influential moments of my life. Why? Because he loved me enough to help me seize my sin. I hope that you have someone that loves you enough to help you see your sin why because sin kills things it hurts things it damages things it's not God's plan it it undermines marriage it undermines friendships it undermines peace in your soul, and so if someone truly loves us, they're going to remove the, the the log from their own eye, get some clear vision, and maybe help. So this is why I say all this to say Jesus gives a couple examples of what to do if you have the log in your eye, but let's flip it around. What do you do if you're the person with the speck, and then the, the person with the log runs through all of their things, and then they show up to help you see something? Well, I, I pray that we have that we have the humility to Listen to them, to be encouraged by them, to repent and to be better. I want to read um, a pretty lengthy section as I'm finishing up because there was a church in Corinth that was dealing with this and Paul was helping them navigate through. Like how do you, in a non-judgmental way, help encourage one another and hold each other to a biblical standard? And, And so 1 Corinthians chapter 5, really the entire chapter is about, again, this is taking place inside the church family okay so all Christians but there was sin and this is what Paul does not say he's like you know what judge not just nobody gets to judge anybody so I want you to see how Paul helps a church actually what I think put some wheels on Matthew chapter 7 Paul says this he, and he is blunt okay it is actually reported, Paul writing to the Christians in Corinth, it is actually reported, he seems a little bit surprised, that there is sexual immorality among you. Meaning there were some Christians that were like pff, log in their eye as it had to do with sexual sin. that is anything outside of the covenant of marriage and of the kind that is not even tolerated among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And he says, you're arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you, for though absent in body, I'm present in spirit, and as if present, I am already pronouncing judgment on the one who did such a thing. You could be like, "Did you read Matthew 7? Paul? They said, "Don't judge. It's like, well, no, that's not what Jesus was talking about. So he says, like, I pronounce judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. We'll come back to this for communion in a moment. Skip down to verse 11 on the screen. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, meaning someone who claims that they're a Christian, if he's guilty of, and then there's a list here, sexual immorality, greed, greed. Is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler not even to eat with such a one? For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? To which most of us kind of cringe a little bit. God judges those outside and purge the evil person from among you. That's probably the most holistic section of the Bible that helps us tease out what Jesus is teaching his disciples in Matthew 7. Because, like, it doesn't say just, judge not, kind of scribble everything else out. Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite and holding others to a standard you won't hold yourself to. Don't completely ignore your own sin and your own issues so that you can help someone with something less. But he does say, deal with our sins so that we might be able to help love one another. And so in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, listen, inside the church, there needs to be a level of, listen, we've all committed to putting ourselves under the good and the right commands of God. And we believe those are good and they provide flourishing. And so I put myself under the authority of God's word and you're in the family and and you have a responsibility for me and I to you to, he says, to judge to remind each other, listen, sin is bad, it's always been bad, it always will be bad, it hurts, thanks, I love you too much. I wish and I hope that you have people that love you enough to do that. It's interesting that we kind of take the, like the idea of judgment, which, you know, just sucked the air out of the room a minute ago. Like you take this idea of, of, of kind of allowing someone in spiritually to help us uh, understand. Like you take that idea and you apply it anywhere else and it's celebrated because most of the time we know that if someone calls something out, it's going to make us better. Like let's say for an athlete, they will spend a lot of money to get a coach that can tell them what they're doing wrong. They're like, I'm doing something wrong. I just don't know it. I'm going to pay you so that you could tell me what I'm doing wrong and fix it. So it's like celebrated. Um, what about an author that they will hire? a copy editor. You know what? I got some problems in here. I don't know where they are. I would have fixed them already. I'm going to pay you a lot of money and you get in here and you fix all the problems and it's going to be a better product when we're done. Uh, What about in business? There are so many books about if you're going to to, to be the best business leader that you can, you have got to have some healthy feedback, some constructive criticism. And so we'll pay coaches uh, to come in and to get, but then spiritually like, nope, don't judge. It's like, it's so good and helpful in every other way. Why is it that pride comes in just like, nope, I'm Jesus. (laughs) I got nothing. There's, I have, like, there's not the third version. It's not like, well, some of us have a log in our eye and some of us have a speck in our eye and some of us are just absolutely clean. Like, (laughs) y'all with me? There's only two options. And so, it's it's such a blessing from God to have people that love us enough to let us know when there's something in our eye. That is a counter-cultural thing that Jesus is teaching. And I I mean, I'll tell you, the people that have done that to me, they they have blessed my life more than many others that weren't able to. So Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. Don't, don't, don't be hypocritical in what you do. But inside of the family, we hold ourselves. To, why, why, is this, why, why is this such an important thing that Jesus would invite us to hold each other accountable? Number one, I had said it two times, sin destroys things. And we want to live lives of flourishing in every way. And number two, we represent Jesus into the, in the world. And we need to represent him well let me invite you to bow your head to close your eyes let's pray together jesus you don't mince words you never do because you love us too much to not be truthful and yet there's so much grace when you speak and when you um when you preach father i pray that you might allow each one of us uh, to take a truly humble position Uh, When we encounter your words, I pray that you'd help us to truly know when you are speaking to us, which is probably most of the time. Give us the grace and humility to listen so that you might continue uh, to change us and to mold us and to chisel us into the very image of Christ. Father, I pray that you might help us um, when we, God, do venture off into hypocrisy, God, that you might make us very aware of that. God, we're so grateful for your grace, for your mercy, for the fact that you cleanse us, you make us clean, you make us new. You forgive our sins because of Christ and so that we might help others. We love you. And we praise you. We thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.